Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is synchronicity? What would UFOs have to do with it? And do paranormal researchers tend to attract the attention of whatever phenomenon they are investigating? Hello and welcome to the 717th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben here on uh, ON 1240 Radio celebrating 70 years of broadcasting in uh, New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. And those uh, canted questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and father, Paul. Well, today we welcome a guest with what we think is a very unusual approach to a common paranormal subject, and we welcome your calls and emails during the show. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or if you'd like to send an email, it's paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Michael Cleland is an avid outdoorsman, illustrator, and UFO researcher. He has written extensively on the subject of alien abductions, synchronicities, and owls. His first-hand experiences with all three of these phenomena are the foundation for his research. His latest book, The Messengers, Owls, Synchronicity, and... I don't know if it is his latest book, actually. Owls, Synchronicity, and the UFO Abductee, published in 2015, is our subject for this afternoon. Mike has written at least 15 other books that I know of, many of them on the skills of outdoorsmanship and ultralight backpacking. He lives in the Adirondack Mountains of New York State. His website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. He'll talk about that a little bit later. So, Mike Cleland, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, well, it's great to have you here. So let's start with a, a simple question, or it may be seemingly simple, but not simple. Let's uh, begin with synchronicities. What are they? Well, synchronicity is a term uh, coined by Carl Jung, and the um, he had a sort of uh, dense uh, definition of it, but um, the simpler definition would be a meaningful coincidence, a coincidence that has a meaning to the observer. Um, you know, we have synchronicities all the time, you know, like, oh, I was just thinking about you and the phone rang, and it's you. Those kind of things would be considered a synchronicity. Coincidences, obviously, happen in the, you know our busy crowded world where all kinds of things are happening coincidence you know a normal coincidence will show up but um, the synchronicity has a power all its own in because it has a, a deeply personal meaning to to the observer to the experiencer and oftentimes those those kinds of synchronicities can change someone's life I bet that happens a lot where in my research well people will say you know had this funny thing happened, it changed my life, I had this one event at just the right time, at just the right moment, it, it seemed to, it, it may, oftentimes we use the word magic, or magical, like it was just a magical moment, and I recognized it right when it happened. So, what happened to you um, that got you to tie this in with UFOs, and of all things, owls? Well, so that's a big question, but I'll, <laughs> so I had, throughout my youth, a handful of experiences, uh, youth and up until I'm 55 now, up until I was around 30, I had a handful of events that um, very clearly implied some sort of UFO contact or some sort of UFO interaction. Um, sightings, missing time, um, and then on one occasion I actually woke up in the middle of the night and saw five gray beings out my window in the yard and promptly felt this urge or sort of a voice in my head said now is the time to shut down and 
now is the time to put my head on the pillow and shut down, and that's exactly what I did. Um, so I have, uh, I had that in the background. I was, I recognized the implications, but I was not going to go there. I was denying it. I was not going to go there. And then in 2006, little, 11 years ago now, I was camping, and I had a, uh, an experience twice within a week of confronting owls. Owls just showed up in a, and I'll use the word magical, seemingly kind of magical way, flew around me and my friend, sat near us, landed on the trees near us, both times at sunset, two different places, and I'm convinced they were the same three owls. Um, and it, and it, uh, and, and connected to that story were so many meaningful coincidences, synchronicities connected to that event. And it, it, in the moment that I saw those owls, I felt a very strong voice in my head say, this has something to do with the UFOs. So I started looking into my own UFO experiences, and it was the owls that, that kind of forced me to do that. Um, you look up, just do a simple Google search on, on the owls and their totem lore and their spiritual meaning. It'll say there's all kinds of divergent information, but the core of it is look within. There's a message being delivered. So I took that message, which I very clearly had as a voice saying, um, uh, this has something to do with UFOs, and I started looking into my own experience and also spoke with a lot of researchers and experiencers and, and always asked the question, have you ever had any odd owl experiences? And what has happened is I've been collecting these stories. Now, it's not 100% of the people, but it's enough that there's a very real pattern and I've collected and archived and tried to make sense out of the stories and what they might mean. Hmm, interesting. Uh, actually, <coughs> excuse me, Mike, um, I want to read something. that This is what drew my attention to you, um, and it was an amazing book review written about you and uh, the particular book, Messengers, by Nick Redfern. Now, Nick is a frequent guest on the show. He's a dear friend of ours. And Nick is one of the most respected and sensible people in this field. Uh, here's part of what he wrote about you in your book. Uh, quote, I get a strong sense that Mike was guided to write this by the UFO intelligence, and I think the reader will get that. This is the first time I have seen this level of both a book and its author being inextricably linked to the phenomenon itself since Strieber and Communion, referring, of course, to Whitley Strieber, uh, Communion, <coughs> which is a book and a film, uh, was clearly more than just a book. I believe the phenomenon intended it to be written, published, and read on a large scale. I think Mike's book is another example of this. That is very high praise, Mike. Um, can you talk about being what, what Nick calls, quote, inextricably linked to the phenomenon itself, unquote? I think or maybe he began to do that with Ben's question. Well, it's the, is it me or is it the owls that are inextricably linked? Is that what's the you know? So that that and I also have to say that I kind of you know when I read that what Nick had written and I had worked with him a little bit, he had read a like a, an initial draft of the book, and I said you know Nick, I'm just running into some problems with flow. Can you give me some help? He was very helpful with some very pragmatic just you know editing help, and um and then he just he that was that's something he shared with me that was remarkable for me to. to but yes, yeah, so that, I agree. I was I feel daunted by that kind of praise. But um, so this owl book project fell together in a way that played out 
in a cloud of synchronicities. I am I am not exaggerating. I would be working in the book, and I would say, mm, this chapter just isn't working. I need one. I need to sum it up. I need a better example or something. And then I would get up the next morning, and there would be an email, and I would open the email, and it would be someone with an owl story. Now, I'm at a point now where anyone in the world who has had an experience with both a UFO and an owl will somehow find me. Cause I'm one or two mm-hmm. mouse clicks away. If you Google UFOs and owls, my name is the first thing that comes up and then the next 15 after that is all is all related to me so people are going to search me out and and get that information to me um so the the, yes this is a mystery why are these owls linked somehow to this other larger phenomenon and and the, the ufo thing is a Oh, it's a bottomless pit in a way if you try to research something. So I took this on in a way thinking that owls would be just a little fractal, just a little corner of this big mystery, and I would write a little essay about it. I would write like a magazine-length you know, uh, uh, essay about it, and, and I would be done. And that's not what happened. I did do that. I wrote that essay. And curiously enough, one of the first emails I got when I put that essay up online was Nick Redford contacting me and saying, this has to be a full book. Hmm. And... I spent the next three years. I turned that into a full book, um, and uh, and that book was written in this. I, I'm, I know no other word to use but magical in a magical cloud of synchronicities. And the book was hard work. I, I had to, but it was it fell together in a way that that just amazed me. Just it, it is sort of a proof of something something magical out there. Okay, why do you? Th- <clears throat> Maybe there's no answer to this, but why owls and not Meadowlarks or Vesper sparrows, or I get you, I get that. Yes. So the the okay. So now an owl has a has a mythic lore, right? So yeah. all throughout the and I, I talk about that in the book. I do a long chapter on the owl mythology. Now uh, the owls are every, anywhere there are people. There are owls. They're all over the world. Anywhere, everywhere except Antarctica. And um, so if and, and there's mythologies associated. To the, to the owl, and those are divergent. You know, some of them are dark, some of them are light, but there's a thread that runs through all of it, and that thread would be that the owl can fly into the darkness. You know, any person, any ancient, any person in ancient times would recognize that, and that very quickly becomes a metaphor for traveling to other realms, traveling to the land of the dead or the land of the gods or that other realm. Mm-hmm. And and then. The owl. The, the, the second half of this mythology is the owls then return with a message. So, I was getting I was getting emails where people would they, they would just say it plainly. They said the owl was a messenger arrived at my home at just this perfect time after seeing these UFOs, and I took the message to mean this was somehow important. I'm paraphrasing and kind of to simplifying that way way down, but that's the that's the gist of it. So the the ancient mythology of the owl is that it's a messenger. The modern experience of the owls connected to the UFO seems to be, it's a very clean way to view it, that these, these owls are still playing out their ancient role, present day. It's not happening out in the, you know, in the olive groves of ancient Greece, it's happening present day in the, in the suburbs of, of Ohio and such, so. All right. What uh, what are the messages? Is is it the same message they carry, or are they different messages, uh, or different for different people? Different messages to you. Uh, what's what are the messages? 
Well, the message would be, in essence, look within. You know, I mean, here's an example, and this is so I, I, I stray from the UFO issue a bit in the in the in the book. That's mostly the core of it, but certainly people people are surrounding around death see owls a lot, um, often after death, and it is almost universal that people will talk to the owl as if, as if it's their dead loved one. I have uh, many stories of people, um, like usually it's a parent, a parent will die, and then an owl will show up. Here's one, this is a woman, um, her name was Jill, and, there were, and uh, her mother had died, and she was grieving, and she talked to a friend, and the friend said, just wait, I understand you're grieving, there'll be a sign. So the next morning, she got up and she went into the garage, and there was an owl on the shelf in the garage. Now, it's interesting, she was very clear that, you know, she said, then my husband, that's his garage, but I have one shelf in the garage, and the owl was on my shelf. And I moved a bucket, which is another little death metaphor, I moved a bucket out of the way, and there was a little owl sitting there. The owl didn't fly away, we looked at each other. She literally took pictures of it, sent it to her family, and said, you know, look, it's mom. Mom's here, you know. And she spoke to it as if it was her mom. She she ended up going out to a party that night. It was Thanksgiving, or a Thanksgiving party. I don't think it was actually Thanksgiving night. But And then when she returned, the owl was still in the garage. And she had, she had never seen an owl in all the years she was living there. This was in Florida. And then she finally went out to the garage and said, Mom, I got the message. You know, I... I Thank you so much for visiting me. It has helped with my grieving. Thank you. I got the message. And the owl flew out of the garage. I have that story in one form or another over and over and over again. That particular account, I could spend a half hour telling that account because there are so yeah. many strange synchronicities associated with it. Well, we've gathered accounts like, <coughs> excuse me, like that as well, but sometimes they involve cats, dogs. We've had squirrels. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, there was one from Texas involving an armadillo. I mean, of all, I mean <clears throat> it seems like it's um, a rather personal personal experience. So, so uh, do you think that the owl phenomenon is more having to do with you and people like you? Uh, or does it have to do with the messages that are being delivered? Or does it have to do with the sort... Uh, th- th- these are... These are very broad questions. I apologize, but but you, you bring up so many interesting points. Uh, so so what, uh, how personal... Is the experience as far as which uh, whether it's an owl or not, uh, and uh, wh- whatever the message is that's being delivered? I mean, how, how personal is it? How uh, you know? Just what can you say anything about? Yeah, that? I saw, yeah, I get what you're asking. So now, so just straight up, I have a you know, my website has got owls on it. My you know, uh, my focus has been owls. So I'm not like in a, an, uh, an objective researcher like i'm subjective like i'm asking for owl stories and only owl stories i get some other ones and i and i make sure to archive those i have a wonderful story with a great blue heron um hmm. but uh uh so that so i'm not, so i'm i'm you know i'm purposely limiting my my scope of 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 inquiry by asking only owl questions and getting only owl answers in a way so so yes i'm quite certain those show up and i had an amazing experience when my mom died where a, um, a beautiful, shiny ferret walked into my kitchen. And, and uh, that was at about the time that my mom had, had, had uh, aneurysm and then was unconscious, and she died three days later. Um, mm-hmm. But So, yes, yeah, so I, I fully realize that it's not limited to owls, but that has been the focus of my, my um, inquiry. Now, um, 
Yeah, so the, that's the question. So you ask a UFO researcher, you ask someone like Bud Hopkins, and I did, and you ask someone like David Jacobs, and they'll say that the the owl shows up because it resembles the UFO occupants, and they'll be they'll sort of be sticking to the screen memory aspect. You know, the the story where someone is driving down the road at night, and I get this a lot. Driving down a road at night, they uh, they turn a corner and there's a four foot tall owl standing in the middle of the road. And they pull right up to it. I've had this, you know, they can pull right up to it. And the owl itself is looking over the hood of the car. So they're locking eyes with the owl over the hood of the car. Um, now that, even a small car and a big owl, that's impossible. There's mm. no owls tall enough to look over the hood of a car. Um, they arrive home, might be a few hours late, that they always sticks in their mind. Something happened that night. If they ever have hypnotic regression, now this is a this is its own, mm, you know, can of worms in a way, Um because hypnosis has its, you know, detractors and it's it's got its own issues. But the hypnotherapist may say, "Now describe that owl," and they'll say, "Well, it's kind of tall and skinny and about four foot tall and has a bald head and big black eyes and a shiny tight fitting suit on." And what they end up describing is a gray alien and not an owl at all. Oh, okay. So the the uh, the implication is that there's some sort of psychic projection taking place. All right. That, well, the, that the UFO occupant is projecting that into the mind of the observer. Okay. You're getting into uh, one of three questions that arise uh, here, Mike. Uh, one is, um, <clears throat> as, as you suggest, uh, there could be some sort of projection. But I can just hear, knowing our audience, uh, I can just hear these questions being asked. Um, when you have a visitation, whether it's after a UFO experience or the death of a loved one, uh, the, uh, an obvious question someone might ask, is the owl or the cat or the whatever, is this this uh, animal or bird, is it the person who died? Uh, or in the case of a, an alien experience, is it an alien? And you kind of touched on, on the, the uh, personal interpretation of people that... You know, with the uh, four foot tall owl, et cetera. But what's, what's, uh, I mean, what would you say to someone who asked that question? Okay, so in the case of the UFO, you know, seeing a four foot tall owl, there's no such thing as a four foot tall owl. So right. I would say, I would lean towards there's some sort of psychic projection. It is a, it is potentially a gray alien projecting something into the mind of the, of the potential abductee. Um, now, as far as when it shows up at the, after death or, or, is it um, is it actually the uh, the dead relative? Now maybe, and I I, I I say this over and over again, where there comes a point when you have to take your UFO investigator hat off, and then you have to put your shaman hat on, right? You have to act like the 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 uh, the fellow who lives at the teepee at the edge of the village out in in some you know uh, Indian village, where what what would be the questions you would ask if someone if someone parent recently died and then an owl shows up or another type of bird i have a wonderful story of a robin showing up um uh is that and people actually talking to the robin and talking to the owl as if it was their dead loved one you know they they're in a place they're in a place where now this woman jill who told the story initially she was grieving she had an owl experience the grieving came to an end she 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 asked for help with her grieving, she had an experience. The grieving ended. So, in a way, I, I my concern, in a way, would be more: what's the reaction to the observer? What's the reaction? What's the what? What's the next chapter of that person's life after having the owl experience? 
So, I I mean, is there a uh, magical nature spirit out there that that tells the owl to just go visit that garage for those purposes, or is it actually the mother taking on the identity of a real owl? I mean, there's a she got pictures of it. I got little pictures of this real owl. It's a real owl in her garage. Um, so so I don't have a good answer to that. But but this is where these answers become blurry because we're we're sort of drifting off into mythic realms rather than yeah. pragmatic realm. Yeah, I'm thinking of the owl of Athena, <laughs> you know, uh, in the Greek, ah, uh, Bubo. Greek mythology. Bubo, yeah, which is actually Bubo, owl and actually in Greek. Actually, Bubo is a species or a, well, it's one of the Latin terms you would use when describing. There's several families of owl, and, and Bubo is one of them, yeah. Yeah, that's right, it's Latin, too, yeah. Okay, uh, did you have a question, man? Uh no okay because I, I want to move on I'm, to another I'm one melding things now, in, in the the forges of my mind okay the uh, the more skeptical among us might say you know despite the positive outcomes of these experiences which you have described you know ending the grief things of this kind coming to terms at reaching closure uh, at the uh, hands or, or perhaps the claws of owls and, and other creatures. Um, as valid as that might be for some, others might ask, Mike, uh, is this a sort of form of pareidolia? Is this something that you, know, you happen to see a creature or a number or whatever the case may be, and, and it has meaning for you, touches you in some way, but is, is uh, really completely archetypal or even coincidental uh, and is not any sort of intentional activity by the owl or any other form of life behind that. You see what I'm saying? I mean, is it uh, a coincidence that does does good for people and is not really intended? Yeah, and I I struggle with that because I get a lot of reports where like, oh, I saw an owl; it was really neat. And I'm like, well, that's just an owl. Now, and then the so uh, here's a story that I was shared to me from Jacques Vallée. I had a chance to, t- to uh, exchange some letters with him, and I asked him for the same question I asked a lot of researchers. I said. Have you had any experiences in your or any in your files, any uh, events involving owls? And he said, yes. He had an interesting one where a car was driving down the road and an owl plopped out of the sky and landed and flopped around in the road like it was injured. So the car had to come to a complete stop because there was an owl there in the middle of the road. And these occupants of the car looked up and there was a hovering UFO, a flying disc right above them. So he speculated that there was something about the energy source of the UFO itself that that disrupted or confused or, or uh, uh, you know, made the owl unable to fly and simply it plopped out of the sky and, and, and landed on the road in front of that car. Um, so that he, it, that's as far as he could go in his speculation. I'm unclear. That's, that seems valid. But, um, so yes, so here's an, ex- an event where a car came to a complete stop in the presence of a UFO with an owl flopping around in the road in front of him. And what he was describing certainly sounded like a real owl and not a um, four-foot-tall screen memory. Yeah. It's funny, when we're coming to our break, but I, I, I have another question on the other side of the break. But uh, I, I remember when I was growing up, and we were in a uh, suburb of Hartford, Connecticut. My mother and I, uh, my father had passed away, and we were, uh, whenever there would be an owl, she would get all frightened and say, oh, my goodness, that means somebody's going to die. And even as a kid, I, I, I 
said, well, first of all, how come there's anybody alive in the woods or in, on a farm? Because there are nothing but owls. Um, and and what, why would that be the case? Um, you know, and people are, in human communities, people are dying all the time anyway. So uh, I thought that that was, a, from what you've said, a sort of an odd carryover or, or mistranslation, as it were, of uh, the owl as a messenger of the gods or something of this kind um, that, that at least I grew up with. Because folklore can get... Um, weighed down with baggage and can lose something in translation as the ages go by. So uh, I just thought that was really uh, kind of an odd, uh, and, odd and sort of thing. And that's still around. That, that folklore is still around, especially in the um, uh, the southwest native uh, traditions in the desert plains, in, in the deserts and plains of, uh, of the southwest United States. Those tribes have a very dark and sinister uh, view of the owl. They're hmm. frightened of it. The owl is a harbinger of doom. You see an owl, it is bad luck. That is not universal across uh, across all Indian lore. Um, in the Northeast here, the, Indi- the uh, Indians here seem to have a um, much lighter and more um, you know m- mystical view of the owl as, as a uh, you know a, a, a messenger of oftentimes dark news, but it's but it can be a messenger of oh you know insight and, and uh, you know mystical meanings. Okay, uh, we're going to take our break. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our fascinating guest on the subject of owls and many other strange things having to do with UFOs and synchronicities right here uh, with Mike Cleland. And so we ask you to stay with us. Hey, this is Dave Cos inviting you to be here this weekend when saxophonist Jeff Koshua stops by the Dave Cos Radio Show. He's got a lot to talk about and some great new music to share with us. Remember, visit DaveCos.com for all the details and be here this weekend for Jeff Koshua on the Dave Cos Radio Show. Hi, fans of smooth jazz. The Dave Cos Radio Show can only be heard on ON 1240 WON Socket Radio every Sunday, twice on Sundays, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. The Dave Cos Radio Show is sponsored by the Carew Investment Group, 68 Cumberland Street Plaza Center in one socket. The Dave Cos Radio Show right here on Owen Radio. Okay, and we're back behind the paranormal with Mike Clellan, and we'll continue our conversation about UFOs, owls, and synchronicities. Uh, we will refer to a number of charities the show was adopted during our announcement period, but right now let's get back to our discussion with Michael. Uh, Mike, before we burn up this hour, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about uh, your books, your website, and uh, what you have coming up, so please go ahead. Oh. Mike, you with us? Oh, did we lose him? I think we lost him. Oh, no. Okay, well, we'll have to uh, hope that he calls back. But in the meantime, well, well let's let's just wait and see. Okay, that's too bad. I had a, a really important question uh, to ask him. Oh, here he is, I guess, coming. In. But in the meantime, uh, we're talking with Mike Cleland. Uh, uh, very, very fascinating, very unusual subject. Uh, very, very highly regarded by someone we highly regard, uh, Nick Redfern. Uh, his book uh, Messengers certainly uh, quite. Uh, Quite the book to uh, to get into here, and and uh, Mike, are you back with us? I'm back with you. Sorry. Oh, good, I good. Know I don't know what happened there. Okay, must have been the owls. Yeah, it must have been. Yes, they. Uh, I, I see it. I was cleaning up. I was. I just closed one app, and I. I so I. I oh, that's why all the owls are lined up on the wires outside the window here. Um, in any case, uh, we wanted to take this sort of to another step. When you mention 
people reporting owls or owl-like figures uh, even wearing silvery suits and being four feet high and landing in the road. Uh, one, of course, cannot help but uh, think about the Mothman uh, encounters of the 1960s or really universal ones that, that are still reported. Uh, Owlman, uh, as, as it was called in southwestern England, and uh, certainly the, uh, the Bat Squatch, as we talk about it in our last book. Or even, um, you know, the Mothman was sometimes described as being owl-like. Yes, that's right. Uh, and I'm thinking, too, of uh, you mentioned uh, a disc uh, with a, an owl flopping around in the road. And one wonders, uh, what, would this, what would an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, do uh, to an owl or any other creature? And uh, I'm thinking of uh, the first Batsquatch report from the area of uh, so-called Batsquatch, uh, Tacoma, Washington, and uh, the driver reporting that his vehicle... Uh, suddenly stopped as though there had been an EMP and this very strange uh, creature, uh, much larger than four feet uh, and more more dog-like than owl-like, but with wings, he said, landed in the road and uh, raised a cloud of dust, etc. But many of these, uh, of the Mothman uh, or Owlman uh, appearances, particularly Mothman, uh, are reported um, in the context of what would be a disruption of electrical equipment, that sort of thing. And uh, if have you uh, encountered anything of that kind? And do you think that some of the uh, Mothman sightings or sightings of creatures like that could be something that that's, that you uh, w- would relate to as uh, uh, an owl experience uh, or something of that kind, uh, synchronicities, etc.? Well, I, I have a. Uh, I talk about it in the book, the um, uh, Owlman events of Cornwall, which I think began in 1976. I believe so. And yes. There were a handful of events, and and uh, they they described the creature as um, like an owl-like apparition, and it had wings, and it was very. The illustrations were very man-like, and not really bird-like, but it did have these kind of wings that looked, and and the reports were all the same, where the the creature itself would simply put out its arms or its wings and then begin hovering upward. There was no flapping, you know, like a bird itself would have to flap its wings in order to get up off the ground, but that's not what was reported in these Owlman sightings. And then uh, Nick Redfern stumbled upon one, I think it was in the early 90s, so or mid-90s, 20 years after the initial 70s event, uh, and where a woman was driving, she uh, saw something like an orange orb on the side of the road, and then... The next thing she knows, she's sitting in the car again, and she's kind of disoriented a little bit, and she recognizes that if two hours have passed, and she looks out in front of her in the road, the same road where she had stopped after seeing the orge orb two hours earlier, and there was an, the owl man apparition was out there, did the same thing, it put its arms out and then simply hovered upward. Um, and I've certainly heard the disruption of cars in the context of, of UFO reports. Though I don't know, I have to think pretty hard here if I have any where there's in the context of an owl, and I don't think I have any, but certainly in the context of um, uh, what would be a UFO contact experience. Usually if people's cars are disrupted, um, the, the, the sighting itself, the UFO, is going to be pretty close. That's kind of a rule of thumb in that, that those reports. Okay. In any of the, well, uh, I, I'm not going to belabor that point, but in the owl experiences that you've collected, has there been, uh, have there been in, in any um, of these experiences uh, actual communication, verbal or otherwise, telepathic? Oh, yeah. Say? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's a woman, um, 
Rebecca Hardcastle Wright. I don't know if you've had her. We know Rebecca, yeah. Yeah, so she has a story, and she's very straight and very open with her contact experiences. She's an experiencer. She talks about it, and she's very open with it. Um, She was living in um, Phoenix at the time, and she was in a very mundane place, like the parking lot of a shopping mall. And she came out, and there was an owl on top of the light post, full daylight, which is unusual to see a big owl in full daylight near her car. And she looked up at this owl, and she got the very clear communication, telepathic communication in her head, which was, you are not who you seem to be, which is wonderful. And that, I mean, that's a wonderful kind of, uh, how would you call almost like a little Zen Cohen of a, of, a, of a communication. And that was very early on in her coming to terms with her own experiences. So uh, that's something else I found, is that the owls seem to show up early on in people's experiences, and they um, they they offer that kind of advice. I have another woman who was walking in a field, or excuse me, walking in the forest, and she like she sensed it. She said, "I'm gonna like the day, the morning, the before going on this walk." She was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna meet an alien today." I'm gonna. She has also had contact experiences. Her name is Karis, and and she was she felt like she was asked to leave the trail, and. She stepped off the trail and she kind of walked into the woods a little bit and then there was a rock there and she was kind of felt like she was being told to sit on the rock and there was a little voice in her head that, no, no, not there, a little over there. Oh, oh right, yes, right here. And she sat there for a little bit and it was a pleasant afternoon and then she noticed she was lined up perfectly, just the way the, the tunnel of leaves and the trees were around her lined up perfectly to be staring eye to eye with an owl. It was on the <laughs> other side of a little gully. It wasn't very close. She was a little frightened. And she had the telepathic communication in her head. She said she had been doing research on fairies at the time. And she, let, she basically asked this owl, are you a fairy or are you an alien? And the owl replied, why can't I be both? Oh. You're both. <laughs> really? So, yeah, so it's very funny. And so, there was, so she, she then, it got very kind of mystical and she kind of, I, she struggled to talk about all the communication. I have it all archived, but that was the that little line I thought was so wonderful. She asked, "Are you a fairy or an alien?" and and then replied, "Why can't I be both? You're both." So, the message to broaden. So yes, there has been some communication like that. Yeah, very interesting. Before we move on, I want to do what when when you uh, dropped off the radar here for a minute there, Mike. We were just asking. Uh, before we burned up this hour to give you a chance to talk about your books and your website and what other projects you have cooking. So go right ahead. Well, on the th- and earlier on you said I had written, I can't remember what you called, 18 books. That's not true. Uh, I 15, written, I thought. a couple other books, yes. Those, but I've certainly done illustrations in all those books. So I'm I sorry, was, okay. I'm a yeah. professional illustrator, yes. So, uh, and uh, uh, the Owl book, The Messengers, was a huge, big, important powerful part of my life and it really has changed the the tenor and flavor of my life taking on this kind of research it's been remarkable it's been so rewarding in the sense that people are now reaching out to me and sharing their stories and i'm i'm the recipient of of these stories and i feel very like i feel like i have a strong responsibility to to take those stories and those accounts very seriously so i've been trying to archive them and and make sure that they are documented and um I'm just about, I'm a month away or so, I'm not going to put here on the desk. Uh, hopefully very soon we'll be publishing a follow-up book to, called Stories from the Messengers. It's a companion book. 
And the challenge with the messengers is there's, I mean, it's almost 400 pages long, and there are a lot of stories in there, and all of those stories needed to be boiled down to just the key component that was important for the chapter. So someone, you talk to someone for four hours, and you put a, you put a three sentences in the book. Oh, that broke you. my yep. heart. Yep. Yeah, that really broke my heart. So the second book, this follow-up book, this companion book, is a allowing to tell these longer stories more completely. And so that's what's on my table right now, and that's what I was working on this morning just before we started talking. And I'm very happy and proud of the, the way the book is shaping up, and hopefully within the next month or so it'll be out and available. Okay, also, let, let it'll us also know. Be published by Richard Dolan. Excellent. Yeah, we know Richard, too. <laughs> let us know when that's available. We'll have you back on. Now, Mike, how do one of the questions we always ask people is how do you know about the legitimacy of these experiences? In other words, people have have experiences, interpret them in a certain way. How do we know that at least some of the owl phenomena you have reported or, or collected is not a trickster phenomenon? Because in, in, going back through mythology, there there are all these great people and, and beings helping us out, but there were also Tricksters, parasites, negative entities trying to mislead. I mean, how how would you know even if this is could be some sort of a trickster phenomenon, at least in some cases? And have you read the answer? Is I yeah, the answer is I don't. What I do know is I've had my own owl experiences. Um, When I was initially uh, looking into this, like back in 2006, when I saw the first set of owls, the next few years were like off the charts as far as how many owls I was seeing. I was seeing them all the time, all the time. It felt like the message being delivered was, you got to look into this. Like you cannot deny this anymore. It was that it was a it was so people would hike with me and go walk around with me, and they were like they were shocked at what was going on in my life. And I so so I have that have that as, as a foundation in my own life experience. And then um, I'm very cautious not to really publish any one offs Right, so if there's one story about an owl that that doesn't really match any other stories, I'll be careful. Either I'll say it very clearly that it's a one-off, or I won't publish it. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so I'm just seeing is the pattern. I'm seeing these patterns showing up, uh, and the patterns are so consistent that I'm I'm convinced that there's something going on. What that what the source of that something is is like, you know, that's up for endless speculation. Um, and then also, um, you know, if it's a trickster element, well, the trickster element is just as, as, as remarkable as any other kind of paranormal element, right? So it might be presenting itself as something, uh, you know, it might be presenting itself as one thing when, when behind the curtain there's this trickster energy at play. Hmm. Now, what I can say is that people have had, and I'll use the grieving uh, thing as an example, you know, have had gone through grieving, and uh, that that has been. I have a wonderful story that was told to me the day my mother died from the woman who lived across the street from my sister. She told a wonderful story of an owl showing up on a nature walk while she was grieving her father's death. And it was there every day. She was processing her grief by walking in the nature, and she finally would see this owl every day. And she finally walked right up to this owl and said, "Are you my daddy?" And they locked eyes. She felt her grief evaporate, and the owl flew away, and she never saw it again. Now, that story is beautiful, yeah. and so I'm very cautious to, I mean, there's a power to that story, and, there, and this 
was told to me with a woman with tears in her eyes. So I, I trust these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about, um, speaking of patterns, Mike, what sorts of people have these experiences? More is, is there is there a pattern to that? Uh, are they people with certain belief systems? Are they people from certain walks of life? People of certain ages? Is there any pattern you've noticed among the kinds of people who have all experiences of this kind? The answer is yes. Um, the, and the the uh, this is very interesting. So one of the things I've noticed is people with who are Reiki healers. I just put it on a piece of paper when I start talking to people. It's not 100%, but it is so consistent. If they're not Reiki healers, they're doing some sort of other energy healing, some sort of hands-on healing. So mm-hmm. What do you do for work? I say, well, I have a little therapy office, and I do some hands-on healing. And if it's not that, it's some sort of helping people. Oh, I'm a therapist. Oh, I work with, with you know, the elderly. Um, so, yes, so the pattern is that I'm getting is that people who are doing this kind of work are... You know, hospice care workers are, are, uh, Reiki healers are doing some sort of therapeutic work to help people. This hmm. is, that, I did not expect that going into this. And, and obviously again, it's not 100%, but it's enough that there's a, there's a pattern. People who tend to be compassionate. That's very interesting. It is. It's yeah. Very, that's, that's a very life affirming kind of clue for me. Yeah. Your best guess as to why? Uh, my best, oh, yeah, yeah. So my best guess as to why. So this is, I'm, this is a, this is a speculation, uh, is that the, uh, and I play around with this, in, in, so let, that the UFO occupants are flying around. They've been playing the same role all throughout human history. You know, we see them in flying saucers. They might have been in, you know, togas and chariots at one point. But, um, and they look around and they say, huh, you know, Earth's pretty messed up. What do they need there? They need a little more. They need some healing down there. Let's create some healers. So people have these experiences. And also, you know, this, these same kinds of things show up with people who have had near-death experiences, too. So um, that they'll, a pattern of, of people taking on more compassionate work, let's say. Um, so my sense is maybe they just have a little, you know, a little clipboard and they kind of say, like, mm, we need some more healers down there on Earth. And they kind of zap the appropriate people and they take on that role. Interesting. I, I can't prove that. That's just my, that's my, okay. yeah. you know. Now, I don't know if you've gotten into this in your research, Mike, but one, one thing we always wonder about is when you have one sort of phenomenon being experienced, very often there are others. Uh, so have you encountered people who say have had owl experiences slash UFO experiences and also have experienced poltergeist activity at some point in their life or have had, uh, have seen apparitions of other kinds? I mean, have, has that even, has that come up? At all, oh, uh, yeah. as oh, yeah. far as patterns and, 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 in there, and I've got it to the point where I've got a spreadsheet and a chart for this okay. follow-up yep. book. And uh, so, yeah, so a couple things, you know, uh, like uh, near-death experience that shows up. So people yeah. have near-death experience. <laughs> what what percentage? Near-death experience and UFO experience. Okay. And, and on my, these people tend to be very psychic, so a lot of psychic healers. Um, and uh, out-of-body experiences, people report out-of-body experiences, a uh, high level of psychic awareness. I'll ask people, what do you rate, how do you rate your psychic skill? And they'll say, well, I'm working as a psychic healer, or I do, you know, past life regressions, or that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, so those are things I'm seeing. The poltergeist thing shows up in one form or another. Uh, the um, And then, uh, oh, yeah, so that would be the, the majority of it, it would be... Um, Definitely people with a higher psychic ability. 
Would you say that this, uh, the reason for these multiple phenomena would be the kinds of people experiencing them or, or where they live, the geotechnic energies involved at the site? These are all things we find. Uh, have you been able to pin down any thoughts about uh, why the, these multiple phenomena occur with these people, owls, etc.? Well, the why is a good question, yes. Yeah, so I don't have an answer to the why. It seems the people who are experiencing these things. So the, uh, one of the, I call the owl an alarm clock, right? So in, in the book I refer to it on and off as an alarm clock. And what an alarm clock does is it wakes people up. So perhaps there's people with a, with a latent uh, skill or a, or a role they need to play, and the owls show up and basically say, it's time. Another, um, a woman I talked with, and she actually started spontaneously channeling. Her name is uh, Jacqueline Smith. She started spontaneously channeling when I did an audio when I did an interview with her. I'm so glad I recorded the interview. And she uh, and I asked her like, "What's up with the owls? You know, like, why are these owls showing up at the time of UFO contact?" She's like in the conversation. You can hear her suddenly starting to talk very haltingly. Now you can say what you want about channeling, but the answer she gave was wonderful. She said two things. She said the owl is an archetype. And we respond to it at an archetypal level. We respond to it at a core level, a subconscious level, as if the meaning is hidden within our DNA, that we know what it means internally, but it might be hard to articulate that. So it is talking to it. It's just tapping into that at a core level that we may not even know when we see an owl, but, but at an archetypal level, at a core level, we do somehow know its meaning. The other thing she said, which I think is wonderful and has also also borne out in my research, is um, that the owls are here to announce initiation. And this is something I'm finding, is that the owls seem to show up early on in people's sort of spiritual journey, let's say. And um, so so those are little, those are very foggy answers, but that's the best I can give you. Okay. We have a question from a listener uh, as we come into the last few minutes here. Uh, It's from Phil in Orange, Massachusetts. Ben? So Phil writes to us, I don't know if this question is relevant to your guest's experience, and I know that crop circles aren't associated with the Adirondacks, but I'd like to know if your guest has any thoughts on the frequently reported um, synchronicities involving crop circle researchers and the appearance of uh, formations they imagined, uh, whether or not they uh, sat together while mentally projecting a formation to the sky or something. Hmm. I have studied that, and and there's a... um, Yes, in fact, there's a story in the book where a troop of, of researchers... Excuse me. Like, uh, like in this is in uh, Wiltshire, England, where they were, uh, where that's where the core of the world's crop circles seemed to show up. The uh, the uh, a crop circle tour. They were being led by Barbara Lamb, and they were out there wanting to see crop circles. And they had uh, uh, meditated that night, and the next morning, a crop circle appeared. With um, they had meditated for peace, and within the crop circle itself was a um, hidden peace sign. Now this is very interesting to say they were hidden. You'd have to look at the diagram, and if you connected the dots of the key points of the diagram, it would make repeating peace signs all throughout the, the, the thing. So I thought that was fascinating. Hmm. Okay. Uh, getting back to the owls, have you encountered people in your research who were frightened by their owl experience? Yes, and I'm very clear about that. Yeah, and I and I and I yes, some people see the owls as a dark 
and I, I am painting this because of the, the, the majority of the, the reports are very mystical and magical and buoyant mm. and that, but the, but certainly yes, people have had some very frightening experience with owls. Not so much the owl itself, but they'll, they'll have an owl appear out their window. This one woman, um, you may even know her, um, Chris Holly, uh, had an owl, she's from Long Island, and she had an owl, um, in her, I guess she was some years ago, uh, at a Christmas party, show up out the window, a white owl, uh, I think a snowy owl, mm-hmm. and everyone at the Christmas party was like, look at that owl, I've never seen one that close. And then they all felt the same thing. They all said, well, this is kind of creepy. I got a weird vibe from this. So, yes, you can see a normal owl and get a very ominous, creepy vibe. And I think that, I think that mankind probably sensed that all throughout human history. You can get a creepy vibe from an owl that you're not going to get from a bunny rabbit or a deer. Um, <laughs> right. and that, uh, and that's why they're plugged into, even today, you know, owls show up, you want to, you have a spooky movie, you, you, you have the person, you know, walking through the woods and they see an owl. That's, that's a, that's like a little, um, punctuation almost that implies, you know, you're trying to create a, a mood of eeriness. You just plug an owl in there and the scene becomes eerie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, go ahead, Ben. So is there, are these, a majority of these, are they, are these experiences, are these flesh and blood owls or are they, um, you know, projections of, let's say, uh, you know, extraterrestrials or fairies or something that our mind understands or could, could these perhaps be, you know, just regular old owls? Well, that, so I try to delineate that and I try to, uh, yes, there's, some of them are very clearly what I would call screen memory the four-foot-tall owl on the side of the road, um, people waking up in the middle of the night and there's a four-foot-tall owl at the edge of their bed. These, I think, are somehow projected into the mind of the observer from the UFO occupants, let's say. Uh, then there's the uh, owls that are very small. They're owl size. You know, they're 10 or 12 inches tall. They're sitting on a branch outside the, you know, the window. You know, when someone comes home from a... You know, people arriving home after a UFO contact experience, like, oh, I had missing time, I got home, and there was an owl, like, right next to the porch as I walked into the house. And they describe what's a very small, you know, owl-sized owl. Um, and so, yes, so, there, so there's those two aspects. There's a flesh and blood owls, and then there's some sort of screen projection. Mm-hmm. Some of them are a little blurry, and it's a little hard to untangle. But my, what I find more interesting and more engaging in the research is the real owl. Why are the real owls showing up? And this is why I go back to you have to put on your shaman hat rather than your UFO investigator hat because it seems to be the owls are arriving for the more mystical reasons that would be the the, the, the territory of the shaman okay. rather than the sort of more nuts and bolts reasons that would be the territory of the MUFON investigator, let's say. Just very quickly, because uh, we're, we're just about out of time, Abductions, UFO abductions. How many uh, in your research, what percentage of people believe they are UFO abductees and have had owl experiences? Well, the people that are arriving and talking to me are, are there are a lot of them are UFO abductees that have had owl experiences. Those are the people that are talking to me. I'm certain there are UFO abductees that don't have owl experiences, and I'm yeah. certain there are people who have owl experiences that aren't UFO abductees. That little, what do you call it when they have the two circles and they overlap there in the middle? Those uh, that that thing. Venn diagram. Yes, exactly. Somewhere in the middle there. That's the that's where I I'm all excited about the where those things overlap. Okay. Um, though I do pay very strong attention to both sides. You know, all right. Have the UFO contact experience. And I Mike, we have a hundred more questions, but we're out of time. And uh, let us know when the next book is out. We're going to have you back. But give us your website one more one more time, please. 
My website, you can Google my name, Mike Cleland and Owls, and the website comes right up, or you can type in hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. That's Excellent. Hidden Experience, all one word. Great. Thank you, Mike. A lot to think about. We'll Indeed. be in touch off the air. Thank you very much. That was great. Thanks. Okay. All right, Ben, what's cooking? Well, uh, on, in the oven for uh, this this Thanksgiving portion of the year, our final event of the this very hectic 2017 lecture uh, session has apparently become the first event of our 2018 season uh, because it was rescheduled from yesterday, Saturday, January, or from yesterday to Saturday, January 27th. Uh, I guess people were were uh, commenting to the organizer with in no uncertain terms that the weekend before Thanksgiving uh, was not a good idea. So anyway. Um, so mark tw- uh, January 27th as the day for our charity event at the uh, Cottage by the Bay in Dover, New Hampshire, to benefit the Miss Portsmouth Area Scholarship Program. And that's uh, 5 to 8 p.m. And the uh, $20 tickets per person, or there will be $20 tickets per person, but you will uh, get not only us, but a nice buffet dinner. And our subject will be Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Uh, get tickets through the link on the uh, main uh, Behind the Paranormal dot com page uh, so as you can see we're already looking to book for events for 2018 so whether you want the solstice Hanukkah Christmas Festivus for the rest of us or whatever gift giving time is coming near so please consider autographed copies of our books for that certain special but weird someone in your life they're cheap and easy to wrap and if you put them in a large octagonal box the lucky but obvious reci- uh, dubious recipient uh, will never know that it's books the following books are widely available, but if you order them online at either of our two websites, uh, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com, we'll be happy to autograph them for you. So the books include the uh, first two in our Behind the Paranormal series, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, published last year, available in stores and other online real retailers. Uh, then there's uh, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman and Monsters uh, You've Never Heard of, uh, currently available from online retailers and uh, Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. Uh, also available are books I wrote myself in Days of Yore, uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, about my cases from the 70s and 80s, along with Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, with a few more cases and a broad look at what the paranormal might really mean. Uh, having nothing whatsoever to do with anything we've said so far is another book that would be of interest to our local audience, certainly, uh, and that is, uh, or to any unrepentant history buff, Rhode Island, A Genial History, which I wrote with the late great historian and TV reporter Glenn Laxton, uh, dealing with some of the more bizarre characters and incidents in the life of a little unique state that we live in. Uh, the book is used in several Rhode Island school districts. Uh, it's also, it's uh, all... All these things are available at our online bookstore, BehindTheParanormal.com. Yes, Rhode Island, truly Behind the Paranormal. Uh, just, to get a, get a, just to round it off, you can uh, get books that feature us or uh, one, of, one of us, uh, but that we didn't really write, via links at our online bookstore. Uh, these include The World's Most Haunted House, The Truth, the True Story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street, and uh, The Haunted House Diaries, The True Story of a Quiet Connecticut Home in the Center of a Paranormal mystery both by william j hall so shock santa claus fool your friends and astonish charles darwin by visiting the online bookshop at behindtheparanormal.com what do we got next week ben so next week uh which is sunday november 26th here on uh, owen 1240 we'll welcome our old friend susan shepherd from west virginia who will uh, take us on uh, or take us deep into a mystery she lived with as a child in the subject before mothman had a name okay well i'm paul eno and i'm ben eno and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey and have a happy thanksgiving to all 
our American listeners, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.